You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. Everybody and welcome to Ring Post Radio, the only morning show that talks about wrestling. What's up, chat? How is everybody doing? What's up, dog? Dab, dab on your haters, dab on your Jamies, and otherwise. I'm your host Ryan Knightsey. That's because I'm cool and hip and young. Uh, uh, as always, I'm joined by another hip, cool, young dude. That's Scott I never Edwards. claimed to be any of those. Well, I'm claiming you are. I'm demanding that you is and shall and always will be cool and hip. Scotty, how are you doing? Um, tired as always. You know, I don't know why we do this at nine a.m. <laughs> <laughs> but we have for like a year now, so I've never changed it. You know, part of it's um, schedule, but I feel like part of it is like, you know, a nice, you know, get your tea, get your, you know, get your coffee in the morning, listen to... Where do I live in England? I'm not getting tea. <laughs> Look I at have that. I have high quality H2O here. <laughs> this and, is the tiniest uh, water bottle I've ever seen in my life. Alright, I got two of them, to be fair, so <laughs> eat shit. Uh, anyways, anyways, I'm doing well. Um, I watched my favorite show of the year last night and last night, two nights ago morning, technically yesterday, I well technically yesterday morning, mm-hmm. um, because I did nap, but yeah, besides the point. Um, so that was great. Um, I'm tired. Like I said, can't, can't reiterate that enough. Uh, we have unfortunately sad stuff to talk about to start off the show. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's life. But uh, this week in wrestling, otherwise, is kind of boring. You know, I don't we know. Didn't, we didn't. We didn't have AEW blow up as much um, in terms of like, you know, the elite in CM Punk stuff has finally slowed down. So that's a big win for me because I don't care anymore. <laughs> uh, Dynamite was considered bad by most people. So there, so there you go. Uh, oh, I know the segment I need to talk about. I just remembered. Soraya. Oh, I'll get to it. Um, I don't know when we're going to get to it. We got a lot of stuff I to will, talk about. I will find time to get into it because I am not letting her off the hook. Anyways. Um, the FT- yeah. FTW champion? Uh, hook? Yes. Yeah. Off. The, she's going to be off the hook. Um, oh, hook. Anyways, uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us again on this week's episode of Ring Post Radio. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, we, of course, got some contract news up and down the board, cross-wrestling. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Stardom Five-Star Grand Prix final that Scott alluded to. took place a couple days ago. Uh, very good show. Very, very good show up and down the card. Uh, we also are going to preview Extreme Rules, which, I don't know about you, Scotty, pretty good. Pretty decent card, I gotta say. I think there's it's a, a there's a dolly wop or whatever the fuck it's called. Dolly wop. <laughs> what? What's the, what's the what's the, uh, what's the match that Imperium and Oh Donny Brook or something? <laughs> <laughs> but hey, it's look, a dolly wop. It was close enough. It's got Gunther in it, should so it should slap. Um, it had, or Sheamus in it, who Sheamus banger after banger after banger after banger after banger. 
and mash uh we're also going to preview the impact bound for glory show that's happening this friday this upcoming friday uh but of course sad news we have to talk about the biggest news actually before the sad news um la Knight's coming back so i feel bad for everyone that listens to this show because he's <laughs> ryan's dead he was like, "Where's he going with this?" I can't believe like, I'm trying, you. I, I, I'm trying to. I'm trying to remember and honor the life of Antonio Inoki, and you had to bring up L.A. Knight. Yeah, you had to. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, how do I transition back to sad mode? <laughs> I'm here to ruin transitions. Yeah. Um. My bread and I, that's my bread and butter. <laughs> that's how I make my money is transitions. Um. Yes, Ellie Knight is returning. Anyways, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, anyways, yes, yeah, sad news, of course, uh, uh, coming from the wrestling world, coming from Japan. Antonio Noki has passed away at the age of 79 years old. Um, not a, you know, it's of course a surprising death, uh, like any death, but not too much of a surprising one. You know, he has been, uh, you know, battling uh, health conditions for heart conditions for a while now. Uh, he's been wheelchair be- bound for a while now, so you know. Sadly, with all people in that sort of position, it kind of was a any moment sort of situation. Uh, uh, like I say that, like I'm a doctor, but either way, uh, Antonio Noki, founder of New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, and what is one of the biggest pro wrestling stars in the history of Japan, uh, has officially passed away on Friday. It was announced via Yahoo News Japan or Japan. Um, yeah. So Antonio Noki, uh, just insanely influential figure in, in pro wrestling, you know, like we said, founded new Japan pro wrestling, uh, the most, one of the most famous wrestlers in Japanese history. Um, uh, you know, just un like at the height of his popularity, it was just, an unbelievable it, like the it was like Hogan, Cena, Rock, Austin put it all into one person and Inoki's still popular than all of them combined and wild. Uh then of course found the New Japan, you know, was the booker and all that. Um has a lot of issues behind the scenes as well. You know, I, I said online somewhere that, you know, you combine like the Rock and Vince McMahon, you get Anoki. And you know, just like Vince McMahon having all of his issues, Anoki had embezzlement claims and and all these stuff with new japan uh then later a politician you know had a whole lifetime as a wrestler whole lifetime as a as a booker and promoter of a company then he's a politician doesn't is no longer was no longer politician after yakuza claims and and all this stuff so there's a wealth of history and lore and just the footprint handprint he is slap print uh, that he has laid down in the entire history of pro wrestling. He, someone tweeted out, I don't remember who it was, but someone tweeted out really that the history of Japanese wrestling really stems from the history of Antonio Inoki. You know, how New Japan started early on, the birth of, you know, All Japan as an offshoot of that, um, the birth of a huge under, other aspect of Inoki is the whole birth basically of MMA from his mixed martial arts bout with Muhammad Ali. Uh, 
just he's lived 10 lifetimes this one guy it's in every story you hear about him is crazier than the last and it is very sad to see someone like that pass away scotty what were your thoughts about hearing uh antonio noki passing away on friday i think i think he died on his 60th anniversary so he started wrestling 60 years to the day that he passed Mm -hmm. um which is pretty crazy uh he, you know, he's someone that you, I think, I think for us fans here in the U.S., you knew about him. You don't, you don't necessarily know, or not everyone, but you've heard Antonio Noki's name. Even if you're just a WWE fan, you've heard Antonio Noki's name. After all, he is a WWE Hall of Famer, mm-hmm. uh, you know, big accolade there. Um, you, a, but, a contested WWF World Heavyweight Champion. Yeah, which uh, Corey Graves actually brought up, and I think someone made a great point. Uh, how if Vince was still running, that would never have been brought up. <laughs> it would be like, "What the hell did you just say?" Uh, but I think, I think the outpour of respect that he was shown on pretty much every Japanese wrestling show this week mm-hmm. is really telling of his impact. Right? He got a moment of silence or a ten bell salute or this or that on every show, mm-hmm. every single show. Um, because he meant so much to wrestling in Japan. Uh, so, uh, someone that I follow, you know, made a great point. Without Antonio Inoki, who knows? Maybe we never see Hiroshi Tanahashi. Maybe we never see Kazuchika Okada. Maybe we never see any of these, you know, all-time greats that stepped into New Japan. Because after all, the reason New Japan exists is because of Antonio Inoki. I know people like to joke about Inokiism and how how bad it was at the end. Mm-hmm. But listen, you still don't get New Japan Pro Wrestling without this guy. He is the reason that you turn you turn those shows on every year and you get some of the best wrestling matches in the world because the style that he helped create, that he morphed, of course, morphed over time. Mm-hmm. But again, without Antonio Inoki, None of this matters. Um, I saw someone, I think it was Mark Ramondi of uh, ESPN. He tweeted, think of the most famous person you know. Multiply it by 10, and that's Antonio Noki's impact, right? Yeah. Like you, when you said he was a politician, a booker, a wrestler. A trainer. You know, Ali stuff, a trainer. Like, this guy did it all. I mean, I, I think I, I read, and I didn't know this, that he, like, talked with – Saddam Hussein yes getting one of the like, many stories of of Antonio Noki is at one point in his po- political career he did an in-person per- in hostage negotiation with Saddam Hussein yeah which is just like <laughs> that's like that alone is like what that's one cool thing from one person's life and oh, that was one yeah. of like 12 things for Noki yeah yeah, and, and if you really want to feel the impact of Inoki, just on the wrestling sense, uh, read Kazuyuki Fujita's comments. Mm-hmm. Those really hit me. And, you know, everyone makes jokes about Fujita, blah, 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 blah. He's, he's not a guy that's going around talking about his emotions, but those hit. Yeah. That hit really uh, hard. Uh, Keiji Muto saying, I really, you know, I really wanted him to be at my retirement, so that made me upset too 
Um, you know, I know New Japan had their first show since his passing, of course, Royal Quest yesterday. They took a moment of silence, but I'm sure when they do their destruction and whatever next week. Destruction and power. Uh, yeah, I'm sure there'll be something special for him there, too. You know, 50th year of New Japan. We, we talk about 60 years of Inoki as the wrestler, 50 years of New Japan. He passes away this year. Um, um, I remember Okada's comments. He really wanted Anoki to get to be a part, and I think he that he did get. He was there, right? Mm-hmm. That's when they brought him down on in his wheelchair. Yeah. So there's a lot of difficulties there. Just thinking of how he meant so much to so many people, but his impact obviously will never be forgotten. Antonio Noki will never be forgotten. He left a impact that is bigger than. Almost any wrestler ever, if any wrestler ever. And I think that goes a long way. You could, again, you could say what you want about his booking. You could say what you want about so many things, but his impact was felt. And uh, yeah. he will be, he will be very missed because, again, I can't stress enough. We don't get all these amazing all timer matches from New Japan Pro Wrestling or anything like that without. Antonio Noki, and and that alone, I think, should make people recognize his importance. Uh, you don't even have to watch his wrestling yeah. to get it, even though you should, if you really want to be a historian or if you just want to check out the original strong style in a lot of ways. Yeah, no, he it is uh, just wild the influence he has. I mean, obviously, as a wrestler, he was uh, you know very very extremely popular. Uh, and then going on, founding New Japan, and like you said, like just the amount of things he did, yeah, he pissed off a lot of people. Uh, you know, he embezzled from his own company, all these things. Yeah. But in a weird way, there was a great thread I also read. I'm we're shouting out a bunch of people. We didn't shout out anyone's names, but it's I out wish there. I remembered them. I, I think probably, I retweeted them. The only one I remember was Mark Ramondi, and that's because he had a check mark. But uh, th- I'm sorry for anyone that I'm talking about and not referencing. I'm checking to see if I liked it or retweeted it, maybe, but um, doesn't look like I did. I'm so bad at liking tweets, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I should, so I remember them all. Yeah, I don't. Uh, so yeah. there was like a great thread I was reading about how, like, what's the weird thing about like Anoki and his like embezzlement issues in New Japan is that like because he was embezzling from the company, it forced him to be creative. Because he needed to make more money to <laughs> keep the company afloat, like every year, and you know, you, you know, at the time they were doing the contracts of one year contracts, like New Japan does. Uh, so they were always like, you know, possible to have talent raids. You know, they pissed off a bunch of guys. They went to UWF, pin, pin, pissed off a bunch of guys. That they formed All Japan. They made All Japan, uh, or they went there. You know, went to all, no, went to Noah or whatever, went went to everyone else. Eventually, was able to get UWF guys back in. That was huge. Uh, he was able to do. He was able to come up with the idea of having this big, one of my favorite matches of all time, big debut for a Southern guy from the United States that wore a mask and wore an iron helmet called Big Van Vader, who took him down in like five minutes. Ended in like, like ended a multi-year reign 
um, I believe, or or, ha- or it's not Rain. I think it's I think he hadn't lost in like years, and that was the first loss in years. And then started a you know a great moment. Now the downside for the company is, of course, that inside a riot in Sumo Hall, and they got banned from that venue. So that's obviously not good for them. But it's like th- it's like this weird thing that like his creativity of forming New Japan in the early stages a lot of the time was like not based on uh like coming just just being creative and doing things or like you know resting on your laurels almost it was like his own morality i guess forcing the company to forcing himself to constantly come up with new great fun ideas uh and eventually you know things didn't pan out you know he you know he eventually uh, you, you know, comes, you know, come in 2000, you know, all these people, you piss off a bunch of people, they all leave, uh, which is also a good thing in a weird way, because you, you get other promotions, you get all Japan, you get all these other ones having great shows, great competition, in Japan. I've, it's always been there for Japan. And that's also been great. One of the reasons why Japanese wrestling, I think is so great as well. Um, cause they have all these things constantly for decades. Um, uh, but then, you know, you have, like you said, you have the 2000s with Enochiism and the birth of, uh, you know, wrestlers like Fujita, the birth of wrestlers like, um, uh, oh, God, Don Fry, I guess, um, which is weird because, like, Enochiism was, like, a reaction to MMA getting popular in Japan, which got mm. popular in Japan because he had was interested in MMA in like the seventies, yeah, and it came back to weirdly bite him in the butt thirty years later. Um, but and then I'm glad you also brought up Hiroshi Tanahashi. Is like, you know, like as bad as Enochiism was, it and it created this huge dark period for New Japan. You know, Tanahashi probably would. You know, he's he's a wrestler. Maybe he would have. New Japan didn't exist. I don't know what he would have be doing. But like at the same time, like if Shawn Michaels did inspire him, so it's that's not true. Like he wouldn't have been a pro wrestler. But I'm not giving this this claim to Anoki. But it's interesting that like if the dark period of New Japan didn't happen, would yeah. Tanahashi feel as much of the ace as he is? You know. Yeah, that's an interesting question. You know, I think he would always have it in there, but like the 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 company his, and him and all that stuff aligning. The, be yeah, that the importance, importance of Tanahashi would like, that him still being exist? The ace is different from how important he was to New Japan during that time, and pretty much how he carried them out of those dark ages because yeah. he was, you know. He's one of the best of all time. And we see that um, with like John Moxley today, like during the dark ages right. of, of the COVID pandemic, during the dark ages yeah. of the summer of punk, you know, yeah, it's, we're, it's a good comparison just to know how that feels. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's hard to compare because like people thought new Japan was dead <laughs> compared to like AW, who just is going through a lot of ups and downs, but like, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting thing to look at because Tanahashi obviously benefits from that scenario, but at the same time makes him be better. So yeah. it is an interesting way to look at it. But, I mean, I think I think his uh, – we the best way for me to talk about Inoki is his, his legacy 
I mean, that'll go on forever. Oh yeah. Even when he's gone, it's 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 gone on for sixty years, and it will go on for infinite amount of years from here on out because even if it's just from New Japan, but like you said, MMA itself is major in that respect. Um, I saw like someone tweeted out a video of Vince McMahon sending in a happy birthday to Noki for one of those shows that they did. And the, I was like, that's a Noki Genome Federation? <laughs> yeah, like that's just insane to think about yeah. that Vince said in that. like, Because Vince doesn't do anything, right? No. So it's like it's those little things that's like if you need a reason to understand how big he was, here's one of those things. Um, I think it was really cool what WWE did. Mm-hmm. I really do of getting that up so quickly and and you know instead of waiting until their next live show they could have waited till raw yeah. they easily could have waited till raw to flash the thing right mm-hmm. but they didn't and they got it up and they paid their respects and i think i think that again kind of reminds you how important he is to wrestling itself not just in japan but worldwide um so it's little things like that you know i know AEW couldn't do it because rampage was taped yeah but they'll do it They'll do it Wednesday or probably on dark or both. So uh, it's, it's cool. And uh, a lot of people pay their respects. Um, that's been fun to watch. Kind of. Can I, know, can I read you a list of uh, some of the wrestlers he trained? Sure. Uh, just a, a who's who of wrestlers on this list. Uh, Keji Muto. <laughs> that alone. <that's> <laughs> uh, Masahiro Chono. Yeah, it's just going to be legend after legend. <laughs> it's going to be ridiculous. Tatsumi <laughs> Fujinami. Ah, I saw his comments too. Those were tough. Yoshiaki Fujiwara, the inventor of the Fujiwara armbar. Uh, oh Akira Maeda, the first tiger mask. Not Misawa, but uh, the new Japan tiger mask. Hiroshi Hase, uh, uh, Kazuyuki Fujita, Riki Choshu. Uh, Shinya Hashimoto, uh, Osama Kido, uh, Brian Adams. You might be asking who's Brian Adams. Of course, that is Crush. Demolition's Crush. Um, uh, Rocky Romero. Remember that's and Samoa Joe, TJP. You know, opening up the expanding the jo- dojo system and bringing it to the states. You know, and eventually, you know, Brian Danielson as well was able to be a trainer, or not trainer, but a trainee at that dojo as well. Uh, so Joe said something really nice, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, um, I found my road. Thank you for everything. Inoki-sama, rest in power. Which, like, I think I, the comment, I found my road, is very, it kind of gives you the insight into what, he tried to teach if that makes sense it's like yeah every everyone finds their path in wrestling mm-hmm. and uh yeah i mean you you name all those people right and just think of all the people that came from them right who they trained and who that learned from those guys and it just it just touches every company you could think of in a lot of ways so i mean that's great it's crazy but it's huge i mean Keiji Muto, who's about to finally retire, you know, next year, um, which is you know, crazy in that aspect. Fujita, who's, you know, 
everyone talks about Inoki when you talk about Fujita. Yeah. So the the Fujita was really the same mindset. Fujita really was like one of the. I mean, he was Fujita was like a pet project during the Inokiism era for for Inoki. Like plucked him out of amateur wrestling school, made him do like like he Inoki had Fujita didn't want to at the time. I don't believe, uh, but he had him do MMA so that he can then become a wrestler like yeah. that was and then you know obviously Fujita well known in that circle of just being the old iron head himself and then bringing that into the the world of wrestling and just you know monster push right off the gate yeah where else, where else can we get Fujita versus Bobby Lashley huh or who who else gave that to us? No one. <laughs> no one else but Anoki. Who else? Who else gave us Doc Gallows versus some other random scrub? Get so upset by the match, yell, "Stop the match!" and throwing chairs. Stop the match. Stop this. Oh, by the way, uh, Kaido Kibi is screwed now. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Just want to point that out for various reasons, but. Uh, uh, anyways oh anyways, you mean like, like now that like a noki passed it's kind of hard oh that a noki passed they're giving him the belt <laughs> <laughs> i didn't think about that but oh no i was i was actually thinking about it i was like oh yeah they were teasing kano versus muto as the retirement and then kiyomiya won i was like okay maybe they do like kiyomiya versus muto as his last match and now i'm thinking they could do fujita versus muto for the last match a match they plan to do like a year ago <laughs> or like earlier I this mean, year, he's, actually he's going to, he's going to pick the biggest person possible. I'm it's sure. going to be, it'll be Fujita. That's Fujita. You know, that's, without probably, a doubt. I think, I still think he'll pick Okada. If he's willing to lay down for Okada. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Big, big, if big, <laughs> okay. Well, this is how you do it. Muto wrestles Fujita wins the title. And then Okada, uh, you know, and then he lays down for Okada. Oh, that's politics. Probably. Anyways, uh, probably, yeah, probably, um, yeah, Antonio Inoki, you know, rest in peace, influential figure in not just pro wrestling but MMA, just sports and as a whole. Uh, ESPN wrote about him, so if you need to further the idea of how of where he reached in history, I mean, it's hard to compare in terms of wrestling deaths. I can't really give you one. Yeah, it's just a big one. It's just a very fair. That's what I mean. Like it, like I feel like his influence, and you know, I, I'm saying this as someone who's learning it after the fact. I know I didn't yeah. obviously live during Anoki, you know, at all, uh, and watching it. I, Brandon Thurston tweeted out a great thread of like free matches you can watch on New Japan World, uh, a bunch of Anoki matches. Um, so definitely go check that out. I think the Vader matches on there. Vader match is on there. That's one of my favorite matches. Just the history of that match alone. Like, like, he, like Vader became a made man the moment that match ended. And that, that, you know, that one match rocketed him to stardom and rocketed him and made the rest of his career what it was. You know, like it was just that, you know, maybe you can add the eye gimmick, you know, not gimmick, eye thing uh, as well uh, to his his lore of Vader. But it really was like that match that, you know, put Vader on the map and just put him on uh, stardom for the rest of, you know, for the rest of his life. 
Uh, yeah, sure. yeah, it's just Anoki is like, you know, it, it would be like if Vince McMahon passed away, you know, it's just like it's undoubtable, yeah. undoubtable how. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of someone where I would I didn't feel bad about saying they have to die, but I don't feel I guess they don't have to feel that bad about things. Yeah, well, I mean, so yeah, and I'm and be, I'm sure. Well, I'm also I'm sure there are you know people that hate Anoki's guts for various oh, reasons there is. as well. So, there is. Uh, there it, always it, is. it's always that sort of gimmick. They're only they're only two years apart. Vince and Anoki. Yeah, Vince is seventy-seven. Noki's 79, so... Well... Lots of history between those two, just as wrestling goes. So you're saying... Not that, just between them, I'm just saying overall. So you're saying that there was a chance uh, for Noki to wrestle Kingdom, wrestle Kingdom this year? No, but he probably, if he was healthy, he probably could have won the GHC heavyweight title. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> that is true. Um, well, uh, let's move on uh, and talk about AEW and their, well, not really AEW, but just the world of professional wrestling contracts. Because uh, there are a lot of different contract news that were run by you. First off, let's talk about, uh, you know, just fun. Just Let's just do some fun hits real quick. Uh, Leo Rush has officially announced that he is returning to the ring. We already knew that he was returning to the ring as soon as he was healed. And he has now returned to the ring. He's been out of action since PWG Bola. Uh, he's coming back for Rev Pro British J Cup um, 2022. Uh, and he's already taking bookings as well. Uh, so excited to see Leo Rush back again. I say it every time. Hope he stays. Hope he stays. He's very... I just hope he doesn't get hurt again. Doesn't. Yeah, same. He's had bad luck with injuries. Same. I, I, I think he I hope he stays. I hope he doesn't get hurt. I would love to just see him stick around, you know, come to New Japan as well, junior division. That would be fantastic. A great junior oh, he champion. Would have been, he would have been the uh best of super juniors. No, oh, no if doubt. He wasn't hurt, which again sucks that he wasn't. But there's always another chance. Always next year. Always next year. And hey, next year might be crowds, you know, clapping, you know, cheering crowds next year. So, dude, I don't, I don't know. I'll never count on that ever again. <laughs> that's, I guess that's fair. Uh, other uh, talking points. Uh, this isn't really contract news, but certainly it was uh, a report. And I wouldn't be surprised if a contract shift this guy's way. Uh, but it was reported by PW Insider on Wednesday that Carl Frenjicks, former New Japan Young Lion, was spotted at the WWE Performance Center earlier this week. We don't know if he joined WWE, if he was even offered a contract or anything, but you guy, you have a guy like that at the PC, you have to think that uh, with Triple H in charge, and this is one of the reasons we talked about with Triple H, you know, the world changing with Triple H in charge, you have to think of a guy like that available now, yeah, he's going to get picked up. He's going to get picked up yeah. big time. Yes. Nothing screams mid like uh, Carl Fredericks. Um, Do you not like Carl Fredericks? I don't think he's all that good. Mm, interesting. I think he's the he was the worst of the young lion crew. So, yeah. Like Clark Connor. And he. it's funny because he started off before most of them. Yeah, he was he the had first. Potential, and then it feels like he just got passed. Um he makes sense, I guess, for NXT or whatever he ends up doing. I mean, the way he wa- went out of New Japan's always an interesting thing to me. But, mm-hmm. uh, hey, sure, good for him. 
I, I don't know if you do you ever hear like what was the proposed story for Carl Fredericks? No. Uh apparently, you know, you know, there was a whole thing of like, oh, he wasn't booked in the G one, how upset he was about that, and it kind of led to the end of his contract with New Japan, not want to be there anymore. Uh, and getting pulled out of like the final night. Apparently the final night when he was supposed to wrestle, apparently, allegedly, he was supposed to win the match, get the pinfall victory in the tag match, and then start a storyline with with House of Torture, where he where they would try to get him into the group, uh, and he would decide against it, and yada yada yada. But uh, they were they were ready they were about to give him the a push in New Japan. Say, that's pretty big, and he said no. So. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's his fault. Um, Yeah, kind of, yeah. I mean, not making it to the G1, it's like, yeah, I would have rather seen you there over Chase Owens, but Chase Owens has been there forever, so it's like... That's true. It's it's a matter of... And they were going to bring in outside talent no matter what. Um, Yeah. it's It wasn't a really big loss for them, truthfully. Like, they weren't hurt by that. They have so many people on excursion right now that can come in and add so much more juice to the product than not juice himself but i guess that's another topic in a few seconds um but he just got lost in the shuffle right like like i said clark connor's passed him i think alex coughlin was better than him uh the other guy who's the other guy there's another one ren narita another we're talking just adelaide okay. guys uh, it was a uh, no. It's like a, a Gaijin um, one. Um, Alex Coughlin, Carl Fredericks, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 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 Clark Connors, Clark Connors, Kevin Knight. Is there not a Kevin Knight's good? He wasn't the first class, know. but Kevin Knight I really enjoy. I think yeah, he's very good. I don't. I don't know. There was someone else, but either way. Um, and then they, of course, have the Japanese talent on excursion who will be big stars when they come back. So. Mm-hmm. Well you, well, you alluded to Juice already, and let's get the squeeze here. Uh, so, Juice Robinson uh, tweeted out saying that he, or not, well, sorry, he didn't tweet I'm out. Absolutely no selling the squeeze comment. Thank you. Uh, uh, Juice Robinson said that uh, he, in an interview, saying that he was a free agent. Uh, and then following up with that as well is a report from Cultaholic saying that AEW has massive interest in bringing in Juice Robinson. So, one, do you believe Juice Robinson when he says he's a free agent? And two, if you're AEW, whether or not you bring him in, you know, or whether or not he is a free agent, do you want to bring him in for you know uh, for AEW television versus Impact television or whatever? One, no, I don't believe. <laughs> I'm never believing a thing he says again. Two, there to me, besides Jay White, there is no one, I guess Will Ospreay too, but that's different. Um, there's no one that would translate to American TV better than the full package of Juice Robinson. I'm not counting just what we got on Wednesday where he just wrestled a match. Like the full package of Juice Robinson includes killer promos, Mm -hmm. killer character work, like very good matches, great matches like that all would translate perfectly. So especially with AEW, which is a Mike promo heavy focus company. 
stars get he would over instantly that company. be like top five promo in that company yeah that's just how good he is i'm not saying people are bad he's just that good yeah if you ever heard any of his posts not you but if anyone here has never heard his post-match g1 stuff it's it's all fantastic for, not even from this year but from past years um and I think I think people reacted to Juice like ridiculously on this past Wednesday. That Philly crowd was horrendous. Yeah, it was a horrendous crowd. It was a- the only things they reacted to was Chris Jericho segments. That is it. Everything else was like a wet fart. So and don't get me wrong, there is a segment that was a wet fart, but still they treat everything like that. What was interesting about that crowd is that, like, obviously it's, like, not even close to, like, a hardcore wrestling Philly crowd. But, like, no. you know, you know, I was watching Rampage, and, yeah, Rampage is at, like, 11 o'clock at night. But, like, you get Ryan Nemeth talking about, like, ECW and stuff, and it feels like no reaction. It felt, no. it felt like a WWE Philly crowd. Well, that's what Meltzer talked about this week. Meltzer said, um... And someone tweeted this out, so I honestly haven't. I didn't hear this myself from Meltzer, but sure. I'm gonna assume people didn't lie about this. Meltzer said, "W uh, AEW needs to stop signing WWE talent because it's bringing in a WWE fan base mm. who aren't as re- they don't react the same way, right? As an AEW crowd." And I was like, "Huh? Makes me think." You know, just based off the past couple crowds, right? Not yeah. Grand Slam, but this past one, the Albany one, mm-hmm. like it's been like you have clap crowds, but worse yeah. all of a sudden. Uh, and like I saw people blaming Juice for his match with Mox. Was like one, some people called it Mox's worst match of the year. I was like, no, what? No, I was like, it, it was wasn't even bad. No, I thought it was, it was just... fine. If anything, yeah. I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. Um, it just didn't have reaction because nothing on that show had reaction once john moxley didn't have like a nuclear reaction i was like all right this this crowd suck yeah let's move on um the crowd had no idea who juice was and any other aw crowd would have immediately they didn't know who bandito was just bandito did the damn thing so like they had to cheer for him Mm -hmm. uh it was weird it i've never seen a philly crowd like that even a wwe philly crowd's usually a lot better than that that's true that's true for sure. Uh, well, let's talk shocked. about let's talk about AEW. Uh, so a lot of contract news and a lot of stuff coming out of AEW. First off, we kind of already talked about him, Bandito. Uh, it was reported that Bandito, following his match at AEW uh, against Chris Jericho, uh, great match by the way, um, he was offered. A contract. We don't know for certain if he accepted said contract. I imagine he would have. Other, otherwise, why would the story <laughs> have gotten out? Um, the other, it makes me think back to like hearing like, oh, Eddie Kingston was offered a contract right afterwards, or Ricky Starks was offered a yeah. contract right afterwards. You know, these stories of people in, that get out there that are like, oh yeah, we offered a contract to this guy. We know for a fact we offered him. So uh, yeah, I I would imagine he accepted the contract. Um, you'll still work big lucha still, you know, do that's big. That's the big lucha world champion right there. You got to respect that name. Uh, but it is, it is an undoubtable get to the company. Uh, he is, I, I, I've been saying, singing the praises of bandito for years, you know, just a phenomenal talent. Uh, and it was like a, a no brainer. You get this guy easy. Peasy, you get complaint. this guy. 
You have a complaint about Bandino getting a contract offer? I have a complaint that he wasn't offered a contract sooner. That's fair. <laughs> the, the moment you bought Ring of Honor, you should have watched one Bandito match and, remember, and realized, oh, this was the only guy that was over when it was dying. That's a fan. I'm so glad you brought that up. The like, I'm st- I'm still stunned that it took until him wrestling Chris Jericho. By the way, probably the best Ring of Honor World Title match in who knows how long. I I will go by that. It was probably my better than Jonathan Gresham's reign. Maybe the Kanosuke Takashi match is the only one between him and Claudio that I'll give higher praise to. Yeah. Otherwise, this was the best since Bandito was probably world champion. <laughs> um, sorry, I cut you off there. It's just like, why, why was he not offered a contract the moment you bought the damn company? It's fascinating to be like, to look back and be like, Tony Khan initially went with Gresham over Bandito. And at the time, it made sense in terms of like, oh yeah, Gresham is more Ring of Honor oriented than Bandito was. But we, you and I talked about is that like, what one of the highlights of late era, super late era Ring of Honor was the Lucha aspect of Ring of Honor. You know, I wasn't a huge fan of Roosh, but I know you liked Roosh and Ring of Honor. You and I both love Bandito. Flamita and uh, and Ray Horace were having great matches as well in Ring of Honor. Um, you I know, think it, it would have got bigger if COVID didn't happen. Yeah, and I think that's also true. Um, you know, they got but they were still putting on fantastic matches with no one in the damn arena. Like, was it Bandito and Flamita that had like this insane like? They had like a four star match in the in a yeah, warehouse. Yeah, it was, it was like no holds barred or something. I just remember yeah. them doing like a flip through a table. And I was like, "What is happening? Why are you guys doing this?" It was phenomenal that match. I remember yeah. it specifically. But yeah, um, it's it's just like it's you know late stage Ring of Honor is like you know yeah Gresham was like the embodiment of that technical wrestling idea, but that is that obviously was like one of. The reasons I would argue one of the reasons Ring of Honor kind of went to the wayside, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I we talked about I talked about this on the show before. Is that like, you know, I kind of I enjoy that technical wrestling stuff. I enjoy pure wrestling things like that. No, but, you don't. You don't enjoy pure wrestling. I do. I like, do. I do. You don't. You do not enjoy pure rules. <laughs> I well, I, I we I, lied to ourselves, Ryan. I remember this. I with Jonathan Gresham and Josh Wood stepped in that ring. We said, oh, fuck, this is bad. Yeah. I uh, enjoy it depending on the wrestler, really. Yeah, that's true. Daniel Garcia, Will or Yuta? Yeah, good stuff. Uh, a guy like, you know, you know, take uh, take like Bandito and put him in a Pure Rules match just to see what it can look like. I'm, I'm they interested liter- in they it. Liter- they literally did that in Terminus. Yeah. Oh, I know. Um, trust me, I know. It didn't work. Um, doesn't even make sense oh but i but it's interesting to me it's a style you know styles of clash clashing of styles is interesting bandito cook yeah but uh, uh but one of the reasons i think like ring of honor ended up dying is because it's like we're we're going down the pure road it's like no 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 don't do that do more lucha stuff this is the thing that's working you know the pure style is cool but like it's not working and especially wasn't working in a warehouse and not even a warehouse a basketball arena at umbc um it just didn't work but and then you know tk of course went with gresham you know uh because i 
I also have a, a theory that TK did not watch Ring of Honor at this point. Uh, so he went with Gresham. <laughs> no, because Bandito would have been signed yeah. long ago. Uh, and then, yeah, and then the people he signed were Gresham at the time, uh, Dalton Castle and the boys. He brought the boys back and made it Dalton Castle the boys. You know, I will say, I think Bandito benefit in, in some ways he benefited from not getting that Ring of Honor contract. Mm. Because now he might be getting an AEW contract and be far more featured than Dalton Castle and the boys or Jonathan Gresham was. That's very or, true. That's true. So I think that's a way, kind of like Roosh. Roosh benefited, right? Andrade got him in the door, and now he signed mm-hmm. because he showed that he can, he can just accept. Yeah, if I'm gonna lose, I'll lose. And he, I think Roosh has been the best he's ever been in AEW. I don't think it's a question. Let's talk about Roosh. Uh, Let's talk about Roosh real quick. Um, well, well, I want to combine them sure. because. One, the reason that AEW, I think, originally spoke to me when it was coming about, right, is that they made all these promises. We're going to make, we're going to bring women's Josh, like, they instantly kind of told you they're going to bring Joshi wrestling to TV mm-hmm. with Riho and Shida and Shoko Nakajima and, you know, had all, all these people on their first show, right? Mm-hmm. And we're going to bring the Puro type style to american tv because obviously you start off with kenny omega and that's really all you need um (laughs) we're gonna bring tag team wrestling we're gonna bring lucha we're gonna bring all this and then i think they went away from that they went a lot down like the usual tv road but now i think we're finally coming back to that and this is where i say aw is just following the plan that ring of honor had when the elite left yeah they're signing the Lucha guys now. Yeah. But here's the trick. The Elite's going to come back, and you're going to have this now, which is so exciting. Kenny Omega Bandi- versus, Kenny, Bandito versus any member of the Elite now, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah. Bandito, hopefully he signs that contract, right? Mm-hmm. But now you have him. You have Penta. You have Phoenix. Three of the best. The best. I think Bandito and Phoenix are probably the best. Mm-hmm. For my money, you have Roosh, who's been awesome. You have Andrade, who all just you know it capture this lucha style better than most, right? Yeah. And it's all different in a lot of ways. They all are a little different from each other and how they do it, right? Like Bandito can be the ultimate powerhouse and then do stuff that Phoenix does. Well, no one can do what Phoenix does, but you get my point. Yes, uh, Penta is Penta. You're like I, I, he just has that aura about him. Roosh is hard hitting. He just like broke John Silver on Rampage. Andrade doesn't get to wrestle, but you know that's fine. He's looked a lot better since he has. Yep. Um. You you get all those, you know the the lucha style. It's going to make the brand better, I think, just in a terms of in ring product. Um. But yeah, Bandito here is huge. I hope he's signing. He's also going to Gleet this weekend. I don't know if people know that. Him, him, and, him, and Co- <laughs> him and commander are teaming up is that the, commander's nuts too is that the gleet show with luigi primo no okay no it's not did you know the that gleet, did you know yeah, that luigi primo is going to gleet i did for some reason now this show i went through it the other day 
it has that. It has Kaito Ishida who left Dragon Gate for Elite, mm-hmm. which is a big deal. Yeah. Uh Jake Jake Lee of All Japan. Jun Kasai. Tomoaki Honma. It's got a little bit of everything. A little bit of everybody <laughs> over here. That's a little real, bit of everybody. A real but pulling like names you... out of a hat gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like you said, let's uh, talk about Roosh, who got an official contract, which I think I was shocked to see the All Elite graphic personally. <laughs> yeah, so he's officially offered a contract and officially accepted that contract Roosh has uh, to be a part of the AEW roster. He was working a, a per-date deal. Uh, I remember Lucha Blog being like, I feel like he's no longer on a per date deal. He's on a lot of dates. Uh, and yeah, yeah, he has. He's officially on a contract. Andrade got him in the door and got him a contract. So good on him. Uh, well, Andrade walks out the door. <laughs> yeah, whether whether or not Andrade's walking out the door, Roosh is a solid. And he's been doing great stuff. I think he has been really nailing it uh, at every moment he has been given. Uh, I, you know, hopefully. And hangman, baby. Yeah, hopefully, you know, that that you know that mentality keeps going right uh he doesn't he's a rest on his laurels now that he has a contract but uh i don't I got a bone to pick with tony Khan. okay hit me oh uh, the other thing i want to say as well before you say your bone to pick uh expanding uh, the lucha world outside the mexican wrestlers in AEW. yeah throwing guys like dante martin into that mix uh, oh yeah! Throwing other guys. Uh, I, don't, I mean, throwing Lee Moriarty, who is like Lucha, you know, like neg- or probably and, save Guevara by doing that. Guevara would be very interesting. Lee Moriarty and and Helico, who are like, uh, I think like and Helico's a big one. Negro Cassis trained, <laughs> like, yeah. like guys like that would be fascinating to bring in there too. Um, but yeah, no, that's it's there's a whole wealth of possibilities right there. But go ahead, you were you had a bone to pick with TK. Oh, yeah, um, get on the phone and call Dragon Lee back, you jerk. <laughs> call him back. You yeah. signed his brother now, go get him. I, I don't know what's going on with him, I don't know what we're doing. You had him on two of your shows, yeah, and what did he do in those two shows? He delivered, yeah, yet somehow. You didn't go out there and hand him a contract. And I'm not saying Bandito didn't deserve it. Bandito absolutely deserved it. Look at my Bandito mask back here. Look at it's, that. It's a great mask. Bandito's sick. I love Bandito. Dude's awesome. Happy he's potentially in AEW. I don't know if he's going to say I'm just going to say yes. I'm just going to say yes. But, like, uh, get Dragon Lee, too. Just get cooking. Get cooking. Ring of Honor brought in the right guys. Yeah. They did. They, they brought in the right guys. It's just a matter of uh, using them tonight. I love Dragon Lee, so I'd like to see him more because otherwise I have to try to find a Triple H show, which production-wise, I just want to cry usually. So. <laughs> um, well, let's talk about more about contract news for AEW. Uh, the big one that we haven't really talked about at all uh, is Malachi Black. So last week, I think last week, maybe two weeks ago, he, you know, he puts out a statement uh, on Instagram. Uh, let me see if I can pull up that statement here, just so I have it in front of me. Uh, Malachi Black Instagram. So basically, he pulls out a statement on Instagram saying, you know, that you know he's you know stepping away from wrestling. He's had a very you know a lot of mental health issues, physical health issues, uh, uh, and I don't blame him whatsoever of all that. But, you know, he is saying things about, you know, one, he is saying that he is against private conversations between himself and AEW uh, is very true. I don't like that either. Um, 
But he says basically in terms of contract stuff that, quote, this is a direct quote. I did indeed ask for my release. The last two my last two years of my life have led to a lot of setbacks. Um, dot, 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 dot. This decision has been in my mind for the past six months. Um, then, earlier this week, Malachi Black does an Instagram live um, saying that he is denying reports. That he is granted, that he said that he asked for his release. Quote, that is false. I don't know why you trust these people to tell you the truth because it's not true. Um, he said that he had been given time off by Tony Khan and speculation about his release being confirmed was not true. Quote, it's not confirmed. Clearly it's not confirmed. None of it has been confirmed because I haven't left. I've been given time off by Tony Khan to take care of a bunch of stuff. All this stuff was weeks ago. I posted that statement as a summary to understand why I'm taking some time off. It is in that statement. It's mind-boggling. I'll see you guys in a couple weeks, maybe a couple months. Uh, basically, he will be back at some point. So, what is up <laughs> with this guy? Uh, you know, really going back and forth on what he is doing and what where he is going and how things are. Uh, the same day that that Instagram Live came out, uh, Tony Khan, there was also a report saying that Tony Khan has laid down the law on he is not granting releases for wrestlers in the company of AEW, uh, Malachi Black obviously being one of them. So what do you think? It's How do you feel about this whole part. situation? Uh, I think the release thing is kind of ridiculous. I think if people don't want to be there, then just, just get rid of them. Like, I understand you don't want to give away talent to go to WWE, but at a certain point, it's like, how do you benefit if someone doesn't want to be there? Right, and it's like, what are you gonna do? You're gonna pull Vince McMahon, pull him from TV, and not put him on? Is that what you're gonna do? Is that don't do that? Just don't do that. Like, I think if someone wants to go, then just let them go. That's their choice. If they want out of an AW contract, you just let them go because you want the guys who are there to ride, right? You want the girls, you want the people that are there to be part of that brand and grow that brand. So, to me, if they want out. Bye-bye. See you later. Um, on the Malachi Black stuff, I mean, I, I have been relatively quiet, and we have as a show, just not talk about it, because it's like we don't know, right? We, yeah. We don't know what's going on, um, but once he talks about it and says he, did, he didn't ask for his release despite saying he did previously, it's like, alright, well, gotta talk about it. Um, <laughs> I think he's going to be back. I think I do. I don't think he's kidding now. I think, you know, you and me have talked about something probably did change, right? Yeah. Something did change. and But I also understand why he would have wanted to go back, truthfully. His wife works there, right? Yeah. Um, he was treated well by Triple H. It's not like he wasn't. Triple H gave him the NXT championship. He made him a vocal part of NXT back when, you know, that was a thing. So, like, there's multiple reasons to understand why he would want to go back. Yeah. But if, if he's saying he's not going back, he's staying with AEW, then I'm just going to believe him because I have no other reason not to. Uh, I hope he takes care of whatever he needs to take care of. And I do hope he comes back because I actually enjoy the House of Black when they're actually doing things and not just doing promos, which I'm sure is part of the problem of yeah. why he was probably unhappy is that they did really have no direction. For the longest time too but again i don't know I'm not gonna assume anything especially with mental health or whatever yeah so 
he can he can decide what he wants to. He's a big boy. I think he can uh, handle it. Um, but that's that's kind of my whole take on the release thing. It's like, all right, if someone wants out, they don't want to be there. Then why even try to like? What, unless it's like your biggest star, right? And there there's levels to this, right? Let, let's say CM Punk. Just throwing it out there. Yeah. <laughs> Just throwing if it CM out. Punk doesn't guess what? CM Punk's not walking over to the other company. I tell you that right now. So. That's a different case. He's not going to walk over to WWE. I'm sorry. Him and Triple H never got along. Yeah. So I don't think that's changing overnight. Um, like if it's Kenny Omega or the Young Bucks, I understand why you're not just handing out a release. Be like, yeah, go ahead. See ya. Have fun. Yeah. It's like you got to fight for certain people, but at the end of the day, you you have your guys who want to be there and fight with you, right? You got Jericho. You got Moxley. You got Danielson. If they belong in that mindset, you, you keep them. But if someone wants out, that's a Buddy Matthews for per se. Is it that big of a deal? Is it? I'll take the other side of the coin. I think, you know, for, you know, the argument's sake, I think that, having you know just releasing guys if they don't if they want to get released is a very slippery slope i think it it, is but it's like this is how jobs work if i want to quit my job i get to leave yeah but and, and that's fine but at the same time it's like you know I don't know. I think it's like the we've been hearing it also all week from other people is that like this idea of like the difference really is also, though, is that like AEW's contracts are more valuable as to a certain extent than WWE contracts, you know, being basically a rolling 90 day contract. And at any point they can cut you, um, you know, here it's like they in AEW, they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to honor your contract. The only time they've ever cut people was for like dis- disciplinary reasons, really. Um they always served out contracts, even with wrestlers they didn't want to use anymore. Joey Janela, Marco Stunt, the list goes on. Of wrestlers they don't want to use them anymore, they just they still honor their contract. Um, and so I think that having the ability, and that's because that's the other thing, is that let's say let's say the reverse of this. Let's say that Tony Khan uh, does allow wrestlers to walk out on their contract one it devalues his contracts immediately in aew um it's bad business on his end i would say as an, as a promoter is like he wants two people on the contract if people just walk out then what's the point of having a contract um yeah and if you have another instance you know like triple h calling a bunch of people saying hey get out of your contract then suddenly Tony Khan would have like 15 guys. I have no idea. You know, a bunch of guys being like, all right, see ya. And walking out the door and going to the other company. But a lot of people said no. That's yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. Like, I'm just pulling. Like it comes down to a 15, loyalty. Thing. I'm just pulling 15 people out of my, out of my butt. I'm not saying yeah. that's anyone. I'm I have just no saying idea. Like, if people want to be there, they're going to be there. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like, I'm sure none of your top, top talent are asking. You know why? Because they're top talent, right? They're booked well. It's, they're booked well. Yeah. Right? And I think the best way to work with it is if you're not going. I just don't like the idea of I'm not giving out releases. Mm-hmm. Like, that shouldn't be, like, it comes down to situational, right? It comes down to situational. Like, 
if Malachi Black needed out for mental health reasons or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. then yeah, here you go. But I also understand where he came from of, okay, take a break. We'll see what happens. That works too. And that's kind of my whole problem is him just saying it. Like, or he didn't say it, but the report that he's just absolutely not doing it or they're not doing it. Mm-hmm. It's like you gotta you gotta play the game here. If someone's really unhappy or if someone just doesn't want to be part of your brand, I don't I just don't like the idea of being like, all right, well, we're gonna ice you for the next four years of your contract. Well, like we also impact is done multiple times. We also don't right? know if that is what he is going I'm to do. I'm assuming they haven't. Yeah. Yeah, well that's true. We also but, I mean I'm trying to think back to how they how Marco Stunt and Joey Janela, people like that, you know Well they wanted to work. Yeah. <laughs> they wanted like, I'm trying to think they of wanted like, to work with them. It's just like it's situational in the fact that what do you what does that person want to do? Mm-hmm. Right? Like just don't become the company that just don't become like every other promoter either where it's like, Oh, you want out? You're iced. Like remember when killer cross got iced by impact of all places. Yeah. Scarlet got iced and like, couldn't pay for like her life or something. It's like ridiculous. Yeah. Lady frost. They think's iced right now, which, ah, uh-huh, that's punny. Um, <laughs> what is that? Uh, what are you, those are my jokes. How dare you? Um, but like I don't know, I just I don't want that to happen. And if that is the case where some people just need out, and you're like, no, it's like, all right, well then you're just kind of being like every other promoter. But I get your promoter. point too. It's like you don't want to just become the guy. It's like, oh, you want to go to the other place here? Have have have, have yeah, yeah, go make them money. It's like I get that too. It's yeah. a it's a slippery slope, absolutely. But you gotta you gotta find a fine line. I don't think it. I don't think the fine line is absolutely not. I'm not letting you go. Like, and if I don't, that was reported. Of mm-hmm. course, it's not Tony Khan, like yeah. tweeting out, which he tweets out a lot of things, but he didn't tweet out. Yeah. I'm not letting anyone go. So it was, like, it was reported by Dave on the wrestling observer on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> it was, he, I didn't think he was like, just going around. I'm not going to take this fucking shit. Like, I <laughs> like I, I'm sure that's not what he said, but it, again, it's situational. I just don't like the idea if that's the case of, yeah, no, you want out, you're unhappy, too bad. Yeah, Which I get what, could be the case. I get where you're coming from. I mean, it, my reaction to that is like, if I let you know, let's say I'm I'm Buddy Matthews, right? Uh, I'm dating Rhea Ripley. Uh, I'm Australian. I'm I'm in Australia dealing with visa issues. Um. You know, whatever. There's yeah. a lot of frustration going on. A lot of frustration. Sure. <laughs> I, you know, I, I feel like my booking should be better. And yeah, I think all wrestlers top up and down the card probably have these thoughts of, I mean, a booking could be better. Um, yeah. You know, every wrestler dream, you know, the, 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 the joke of every wrestler dreams that they could be uh, the, in the main event of WrestleMania. It's like, oh, every wrestler believes they should be booked to be in the main event of WrestleMania. Right. Um, uh, so I'm Buddy Matthews, right? If I am not getting released, well, Buddy Matt's is like my prime example of this conversation. Yeah. Like, really, if if do you really need to keep him? Well, well, that, but if that's also, out. but that's also the other thing. Malachi Black, like you said, has maybe reasons of wanting you want to cut because he might just not wrestle or all this other stuff. Yeah, Buddy Matthews has no reason seemingly to want to be out of his contract if that's the case. Like, just except for booking, I guess. Yeah, that's which, just like which, like I, but, but like I said, reason. but like I said, every wrestler is upset about their booking. 
So who gives a shit about Buddy Matthews? I don't think John Moxley is. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's probably true. <laughs> um, but my, but anyways, but so let's say I'm Buddy Matthews. Let's say I think my booking is bad. I'm currently dealing with visa issues, and I'm thinking, okay, what do I need to do um, to make sure you know what? If I'm not going to get out of my contract, what do I do? Do I get on ice for uh, for the rest of my contract, however long it is? Ugh. Or do I outwork my contract whenever I have time, be the best wrestler and have the best match with whoever I'm wrestling so that Tony Khan has to book me more? Or if my contract ends, then I can get a better contract with another company, supposedly. Um, Yeah, I mean, this is the game I also played when WWE was the only person, like, people in town. mm -hmm. And... Remember, all those per- people were asking to be released. Oh, I use Mike Kanellis, Mike Bennett, as an example. Um, because he signed a new contract, and then he immediately wanted out. I was like, well, that was your fault. Yeah, it's like... like, I can't... like uh, it goes both ways. It's, it could be talent's fault. It could be promoter's fault. It depends on... And that's why I think we have come to the ultimate conclusion that it is, in fact, situation. Yeah. It's like... But I'm sick of contract news. We can move on. Well, good, because that's all we got. Uh, What we do have now is talking about... I'm not talking about... I have decided I'm not going to talk about the Soraya, Mm -hmm. Britt Baker stuff. I am going into a positive mindset the rest of the show, because I can't do it. (laughs) Copy that. It was terrible, though. It was bad. (laughs) It was bad. That's that's all I'm going to say. It was bad. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about the Stardom Five Star Grand Prix Final. Not bad. Not bad. Officially confirmed. Not bad. Uh, great show. Great um, show. Right. This won't shock anyone, but it is my show of the year. Uh, it two years running now. It probably will end my year's show of the year because there's just something about it. You know, we watched the tournament for two, three months, yet it feels like it's a one night tournament in a lot of respects, too. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, you do all it this does, build yeah. up, and then you get to the last night, and you're like, oh my God, there's so much like to go here. You got all these awesome matches throughout, but now it's this, right? Mm-hmm. And I was, I actually overslept when i was watching this first time ever i know um i missed the first three matches which was terrifying mm-hmm. um for me because i had to go back and watch suzuki and momo and so when i watched it i was like i probably would have died when Hazuki hit the uh brain buster on momo because i was like oh that would have been it and when they pulled out the ref I would have like lost it mm-hmm. and i was like that was the one thing i was really upset about and that's only because of my fault but like top to bottom, great matches. I think only like one or two matches missed the mark in yeah. terms of just inter- of like where you at least expectations. If not, they went higher. Only one missed the mark, and it was because one of them is a champion. Um, and I think you just have grown to expect something from them. Mm-hmm. So that's why it missed the mark. But everything else from drama to emotion to just the way they design this final day so everything mm-hmm. feels like it matters yep. and even the matches that didn't matter still mattered mm-hmm. and i'm going to talk about that in a second 
with what might be my favorite match from the tournament, even though it didn't have the stakes anymore. It it was just a fantastic night. 13 matches, and it truly didn't feel like 13 matches. And if you can accomplish that, which AEW usually doesn't for me, and it's because some of the matches were quick too, right? It's like, all right. I mean, there was a match that was 30 seconds on this show. Yeah, 44. <laughs> it was a great third. It was a great, great sub-minute match. <laughs> <laughs> four-star one-minute match for Scotty Edwards. I well, think I think I think Alex gave it four stars in his rate. <laughs> what a fool! Um, Perfection. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about the show. Uh, I thought it was a fantastic show. Uh, let's talk about that final match. Of course, that's the big headliner, the big news, the main event. Uh, Julia versus Tam Nakano, uh, both the winners of the Blue and Red Stars, respectively. Uh, Blue Red Stars block, respectively. Uh, competed in the final 17 minutes and 28 seconds later. It was, in fact, Julia who won the final match, meaning she was the winner of the five-star Grand Prix. Scotty, I feel like you called it from day one. Um, how do you feel? Uh, how do you feel about Julia winning, and how do you feel about this match? I did call it from day one. I called the exact final from day one, but it's fine. I'm not gonna. You can have a on that go. Much. You can have a victory lap if you like. It's okay. I'm gonna have a victory lap on like four different shows this week. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta. I'm only on. I'm only on lap one here. I gotta finish. I'll finish the race and everything else. But uh, this was everything it needed to be in terms of the final, the match, the winner. It, it's been three years in the making of Julia getting here, and I've never, I've never had a more pre- like, more satisfying, predictable winner than this one because like every year you kind of watch, right? And it's like, all right, predictable winners can kind of ruin certain things. Like, watch the G one this year. You knew Okada was winning. I think a lot of people assumed Okada was winning. He did. Yeah. But it wasn't necessarily ruined because they had a great final. And I think Julia just had another just top to bottom phenomenal tournament with countless matches worth going on your way to see, right? It's like with Starlight Kid and Mayu and Momo and suzu suzuki here on the final night and then of course tam in the final uh she just had a story with everyone and that's kind of what we talked about at the beginning of this tournament was that she had stories with everyone and it would enhance her tournament it would enhance her matches and ultimately it did uh, i couldn't have picked a better person for her to fight in the finals i saw people saying oh i would have loved for tommy listen people that is a ria goku Osaka Joe Hall, hell, even if they ever, uh, they're not going to save it this long, but if they were to go to Tokyo, if they were ready for the Tokyo Dome, that would be that match. They're not ready yet. But I'm just saying, Osaka Joe Hall, that's like, that's the match you put on as your main event to fill that place because you've, you haven't done it. You've, you've stayed away from it. You're not giving it away here at the end of the tournament. What you're going to do is you're going to continue the feud between her and Tam Nakano. They are t- they were tied at two apiece going into this in terms of singles matches. Mm-hmm. You have an instant story. You don't have to work into it. 
It was perfect. It was perfect. And I saw some people complain about, oh, well, you know, Julia, when she went up for the glorious driver on the apron, they fell. And I was like, you know, to me, with a final like this, and I think this is important. You had a match earlier in the night, right? Especially Julia, who had a very physical, emotional match with Suzuki. Mm-hmm. Very emotional. It should never be perfect. Yeah. Right? The the match that follows should never be perfect because you're hurt. You're in pain. It's going to be rugged. It's going to be rough. And I don't think that that ruined anything because of what they would do after the fact. Right? Mm-hmm. The tiger suplex. Are you kidding me? Where Julia got folded by Tam. I think everyone saw it by now. This video is on Twitter if you missed it. Where she literally landed on her neck and then got up, you know, with a spirited fighting style, got up there, did something else. They slapped the taste out of each other's mouth. Literally, Julia was spitting like the it was it was great. And then they're hitting each other's moves at the end. And then finally she puts her away with the Northern Lights bomb. It was a satisfying ending to an all another phenomenal tournament by Stark. Yeah. I totally agree. I think this was a, a really solid tournament um, with uh, you know a very solid ending. I think there were, for me, there was some, you know, there were some moments where I was just like, all right, okay, let's, let's move on. Cause there's a lot of shows, right? There's 20 shows. Um, so I had moments. Yeah, I, think, like I think there were people that got to that point. They were, they were tired by the end. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, I, we have that with like the G one, we have that with the N one, we have it with anywhere, any other show promote ter, promotions yeah. tournament. It it's just was like, extended longer. Cause they didn't do it all. In a month. Yeah. And I think that's also part of why I had moments like that, where it was just like, okay, you know, cause the G one takes place over the course of like three weeks where this was like over the course of, I don't know, three months. Uh, so, you know, you get a little bit of that feeling, but, but that, you know, that to the side, uh, great final night, uh just some great matches throughout the show uh i think the 15 minute time limit uh was a great addition or change i should say to the show to the tournament um and it made it easier to watch you know having the same amount of matches at 20 minutes is harder than same amount of matches at 15 minutes uh made it totally easier to watch um i probably would have like tapped out earlier if it was like 20 minute matches every single night um but yeah, no, but it wasn't. It was it was a good, solid watch throughout the tournament. I enjoyed myself. Uh, Julia has a great pick. Uh, she had a great, I think she had a really solid tournament. She had a lot of great matches that you sort of talked about. Um, her, her match against Suzu Suzuki was very emotional right from the jump. Um, and then this match itself, you know, that, that sort of, uh, you know, that continuation of the rivalry, redemption story as well, kind of um you know you know the the it's almost the culmination of of that story from Tanakano of you know rivalry with Tanakano and then losing her hair and then and then yeah. deciding you know what I'm gonna start from the bottom and work my way back up to feel when I you know to get to world of stardom challenger or title holder ideally uh she did that uh, she did a little quicker than some people thought, but she did that. She worked very hard. It went over the course of like two years, uh, worked, get growing and growing, getting better and better. Two years later, ultimately winning the five star, uh, which is of course a uh, first time for her. Um, and now she's going off to dream queendom 
and taken on a former tag partner of hers. Um, so that is, I think this is a great story that has been unfolding for Julia. It really feels like Julia, this is her time to win the world of stardom title. I do have some reservations just because, uh, I, the last three people that have won this or the last two people that won this have won the title, have won the world of stardom title, won this, uh, and gone on to win the world of stardom title, I should say. So do we get that for a third time with Julia? I don't know. That's my only yeah, reservation. But uh, but other than that, the story <laughs> definitely feels like Julia has to have it here. But we'll see, I guess. I think, I think what's important for them is that if and when Julia wins it this time around, which she will, because this is the second time she's fighting Shuri too. So mm-hmm. it's almost like, yeah, this has to happen, is that her reign cannot last until the next GP. It can't. Yeah. Right? I thought Shuri shouldn't. It did. Mm-hmm. Because you don't want to become predictable at the end of the day, right? You don't want to have year-long reign, GP winner. Year-long reign, GP winner. Year-long, like, you don't want yeah. to keep doing that. Yeah. And you're doing that right now with both of the titles mm-hmm. now right because mm-hmm. wonder is now going to go on a year all things like that's not changing right mina shirakawa is not winning it suzuki's not winning it it's going to dream queendom which will both be your long reigns exact to the date which so to be do- fair we also don't know if Kyrie was supposed to win it yeah which again i i will never know um but that is the game that you now kind of play you gotta you gotta have to switch it up but but there is no one that should be winning that title or should have won that title more than Julia for the past two years now. Mm-hmm. And now we're finally getting it. It's been like, it's almost been a, it's probably been a year and a half journey for her to lose that white belt, get her hair shaved, built herself back up, face mm-hmm. injury in the five star last year, yep. get kick out of it, rebuild again, come back, have a title match, fail again, lose Donna Del Mondo almost like the whole group watch people leave lose her eyeball (laughs) yes lose her eyeball lose her god's eye battle back lose natsupoi get pissed off start the tournament oh and two and then go on an absolute run to Mm -hmm. win the whole thing it's been a very well told story they need to complete it now and then you start to shake up booking of course but i can't get mad at something that's worked for the past two years right it's yeah. hard it's hard to get mad at utami and shuri getting the reins that they did yeah. because of what they've done mm-hmm. but i agree like julia should julia can have a 200 day reign and lose like there's no problem with that it makes sense yeah and that's what they should do it's avoid just, her going into the gp with the title yeah it's i just i just have those reservations and it's also like i look at it i'm like but at the they, same at the stardom same tips time, their tips their hand a little bit sometimes yeah at the same time they're not they're not gonna be sneaky about it (laughs) i know but i'm saying that like at the same time if there ever was someone to lose on this this third year julia is not a bad pick to build up a main main event title match at your biggest show and lose that's like it's not it wouldn't it wouldn't be against her story to lose i think right 
It would just be. It wouldn't be against her story, but at the same time, her story since the moment she signed mm-hmm. is to win this goddamn belt, and I just need her to win this damn belt because truly, it frees up everything. Yeah, like ever since she walked into Stardom, it's been all right. The all roads point to her winning that belt, and we have watched. I still think it got extended a year because yeah. she missed the GP. I really do. I don't think Shuri was going to win that, and we're still waiting. We're yeah. still waiting. We're still waiting. We're still waiting. We're still waiting. We're still waiting. Get it out of the way, because then I have no idea who's the next World of Stardom champion. I have no clue after that, and that's the beautiful thing. Yeah, it could be anybody. And what? May, well, you know, maybe there. Maybe it's Kyrie. Maybe it's Saya Kamatani. Maybe it's. Uh, I don't know. We'll find out, I guess. Uh, but let's talk about the rest of the card here as well. Of course, uh, let's start the rest with of the card had matches that I liked better. Um, better than the final. Yep. Really? Yep. Well, that's surprising to me. Well, let's talk about the. Let's do not originally, but it has changed. It, it. I've changed my mind. Okay. Um, I rewatched some things. Okay. Well, let's start. I rewatched off... the final, and I rewatched one other match. But we'll talk. Let's start off with the A block. We'll just go from top down. That's Mirai defeated Sayaida in six minutes and fifty second seconds. Doing my girl Sayaida dirty, but you know I get it. They're gonna book Mirai. They're gonna book her well. She's gonna get a good, a good, very good point total um, in this block. You know, tied with, I guess, tied at second with three other people um, uh, for for Mirai uh, in, in the block. She technically a. finishes an official second. Yeah, she beat the other two. Oh, really? That's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so you know, I guess that's fine. But uh, you know, throw throw some Saida some some bones here, Rossi. What are you I doing? I actually thought I actually thought this match was uh, very good for what it was. I mean, it had it had no stakes. It had <laughs> no history. Mm-hmm. It was as a, as much of a all right. Well, this is a tournament match, so we're doing it. Um, but I thought they did really good work. I think Mariah had a great tournament. Um, I think Saida had a really good tournament, even though she was never going to win much. Yeah. Um, she put on good performances and she was like out of like the lower talent that were in this, she was by far the best. Yeah. I thought this was a very good match between the two um, as well. Um, but again, Saida, come on, just, just throw her a couple of bones. Uh, another block. They, did. they had her beat Momo. Yeah. I guess, I guess that's good enough. Uh, and Hazuki. <laughs> that's also true fine fine uh thank you uh block a match as well mina shirakawa defeats natsupoi in seven minutes and 50 seconds uh someone needs to tell mina shirakawa not to try to do this tam nakano stuff because only tam nakano could do tam nakano stuff i promise that i promise you that mina shirakawa cannot but i thought the match was fine uh natsupoi sold everything like death that was my biggest takeaway like the um the dragon screw from the top rope. I was like, oh my god, not supposed dead. Like this poor girl. She's really she's like such a good baby face. I also it's become a running joke now, but like I am not a big Mia Shirakawa fan. And I very much admit that. It's not a running I joke. Say, I remember I remember the first time we started watching or I really started watching Stardom, I was saying, I kinda like Mia Shirakawa. And I remember you'd be like, No, no, don't <laughs> don't like her. She's only good in the tournament yeah. that's the only time of the entire year that she's good and then she stops 
Mm-hmm. And that's, that, that leaves me with the problem of, okay, so you just, you can do this, but you don't. She's, it's, and I don't even think, I call it, her best isn't even that good. I call it Taguchi syndrome. Wow. I call that's it tough. where it's, everyone hears that. where when, <laughs> what, me, you know, me and Shirakawa most of the year is just like a fine wrestler. But, she, was, she was legitimately bad this year. Uh, like, but when she, before the tournament, when she gets the tap on the shoulder, she turns it on, you know, she turns it up. She turns it on that she can maybe, 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 maybe touch a high three. Uh, anyways. How dare on. you? How dare you? I'm done, I'm done talking about music. She had the best match of her career in this tournament. Yeah. We get Saya Kamatani. That was the biggest win, biggest match. Mm-hmm. Good for her. Good for good for Mina. She won on the final night. Though. There's, some, beat, there's some love. She beat Poi, so that sucked. There's some love. Uh, Momo Watanabe defeated Hazuki in uh, 10 minutes and 34 seconds. Obviously, this was a big uh, block determiner Ugh. match. Uh, Momo got the win, win here over Hazuki, so pretty good. Just know, everyone, Hazuki had the mental pin. She <laughs> had the visible pin. She won this block. Mm-hmm. But a way to time made sure Julia won this block. It, it really was right there. Th- that's a real, like, you know... Months from now, Julia wins the title. Yeah. Uh, Hazuki challenges for this exact oh, yeah. reason. She also beat Julia in this tournament. So, yep. two claims now. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was a great match. You had the OAO tie stuff, but like Momo and Hazuki do no wrong. They hit each other very hard at all, at all points of the match. Yep. Um, and, and Momo just like went murder street on poor Hazuki at the end. I think she hit her, she punted her. And then she hit her with the peach thunder, which is terrifying, you know, because she's rolling the person and, you know, slight miss. She's also in her sting era now. So she's she's infinitely better. She now has a bat instead of a wrench. She, she snapped her bat, which was tough, but you know, good swing. She would have killed Azuki if Azuki didn't move. (laughs) I was like, Oh my God, you didn't, you didn't hold back at all. I know you were trying to snap the bat, but Jesus. Yeah, very good hard-hitting fight here. Exactly what it would say on the tin uh, for a match between these two. Uh, You know, you get the shenanigans at the end of the match, of course, but it is what it is. Um, But very, very good match. I really enjoyed it. Um, Blocking match as well. Ami Saray versus Saya Kamatani. Double count out here. There it is. Um, The most upsetting match of the night but it's not shocking because i think i'm your is kind of garbage so yeah so let's talk about i want to talk about both of them ami saray and sayakamatani ami saray i feel like shown shown shine showed showed i was trying to say showed. well i'm trying to say the past sense of shine oh okay oh i have no idea yeah shined? Show, sh- uh, she shined she, she shined. shined i feel like she shined bright at the very beginning of her stardom career and i feel like she's settling into just like yeah she's good and then that's she's a tree she's a tree and what she's way a tree and i i have yet to put this i don't say this on my joshi podcasts but i'll say this on my, on this one because she's a tree in the way that she works fine. She's steady. She's sturdy, but she has no emotion, yeah. no flair, nothing, nothing. And 
and you know me and alex talked about this she's not very good against the other like fat the people that are like fast and agile mm-hmm. they do not mesh well with her um yeah like which is weird because i think kazuki actually had the best match for ami this tournament mm-hmm. but like high flying high speed you know Kazuki doesn't necessarily go high speed or she doesn't fly either so it's like it's a different thing but like this match was very off thought it was the worst match of the night um even you know including every match on this card that with expectations i mean unagi and momokogo is like what what did you expect it was fine it was fine it was the, for example that match didn't you know go under expectations i think they yeah did the job. expectations this were match, lower for that one yeah this match i see saya kamatani's name and after the year she's had i'm like all right this should be great and it wasn't and the double count out doesn't help them either like that was just another like all right let's let's see how many uh things we can put against you here yeah i mean she, she's only been wrestling for three years uh ami saray so i guess there's that but at the same time 150 she's matches. a tree yeah, she's kind of settled into what she's going to be. 150 matches the same amount that Arisa Shiki had in her career. Mm-hmm. Arisa Shiki is like a prodigy, so yeah. it's unfair to compare, but yeah, I will always bring up Arisa Shiki when I can. So. Saya Kamatani, uh, again, getting the double count here. I didn't really like the double count either as well. I think that also played into just not being good. Yeah, that doesn't help. <laughs> How do you feel about her five-star run? I, I feel like she had a great start of the year, and this five star run, I don't think I was too jazzed about the whole thing. You know, she's interesting to me because I said this this week that her match with Julia specifically highlighted her tournament to me, and it's that. A lot. It didn't involve a lot of her flair, yeah, or her specialty. She had some. She like the match that she had with Suzuki. I thought was great. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like the one match that felt like one of her title matches, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. But everything else, it was just missing something. It was missing the Saya Kamatani flair to it. It kind of reminded me of Tam's run last year. While she was yeah. Wonder Storm champion, and that Tam had some good matches, but she didn't stand out like she had yeah. the rest of the year. The, the and I think that's okay because she was in a block where a lot of people stood out. She was in the she was in the most strongest block. It's okay. It's also like okay, well, I still expected more because you were in the stronger block. But so was Tam Nakano last year. So that's the conversation. Um, just thinking to her matches, I don't have her lineup here necessarily, but like the Julia one was underwhelming. I'll, I'll pull it up real quick. Here we go. Um, um, the see. Starlight Kid one was good, but nothing um, to the point. Yeah, her Mayu Yutani match was really underwhelming. Yeah, I'll give you the run real quick. Here we go. Sayakamatani versus Starlight Kid uh, versus Momo Watanabe versus Hanan. You have any quick thoughts about any of these while, while I'm going through it? Please go ahead. No. Versus Hanan. Uh Sai Kamatani versus Natsupoi. Um that that was underwhelming. Sai Kamatani versus Hazuki. 
Um, Sai Kamatani versus Mayu Iwatani. Um, yeah, that one, that one, that one killed me inside because this is like that one. The expectations were higher. I, I, I understand. Like I am always singing the praises of, um, of Mayu, of Mayu, but yeah. that was that, that was that, that was, was a very, disappointment. Um, very much so. Versus Saya Ida, um, versus Suzu Suzuki. <laughs> I don't remember the site either. Well, yeah. I'm not going to lie either. Uh, versus Suzu Suzuki. Uh, time limit draw against Mirai. That one was good. That, the, the one with Suzu Suzuki. That was the first one. Wait a minute. Did you say the Hazuki one first? Yes. Already? Yes. All right. So that one was the first one where I was like, okay, this is Saya. Yep. Her matches with her and Suzu Suzuki are the main ones that jump out to me. It's like, oh, this is Saya Kawatani. Yeah. Everything else is like, oh, it was good. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was very good, but it wasn't your world title. Yeah. Point, if I remember correctly. Then she had Mirai, oh. uh, then Mina Shirakawa. Oh, then, I actually like the Mirai match. Mina Shirakawa, then Julia, then Ami Saray. So, yeah. Mina I mean, Shirakawa one I thought was the best match of Mina's career, but that doesn't necessarily mean it was the Sai Kamatani level yeah. this year. Look, it, it, Sai Kamatani for this five-star, look, if I had to recommend any matches for her, to, if you were a fan of Sai Kamatani like I am, it's, it's you know, watch any match where it's against, it's her against someone with, you know, a last name sim- that rhymes with Azuki. You know, that is, that's, that's really where you're going to find the gold. Uh, Those were the two best by far. Yeah. I think. I think um, I think it's Suzuki just... ones like really that that was a championship level match because mm-hmm. there were stakes in that too. Suzuki was undefeated going into it. Yeah, and of course it's the one match I wanted Sai to lose so that it was, it was a title match and mm-hmm. she did it. But you know it's fine. Um, but yeah, it, it was an interesting road. Like if I was to go through the tournament, which I'm not going to, but if I was, yeah. It'd be like looking around just through the blue stars block. I think Mayu had a better tournament. I think Julia had a better tournament. I think Starlight Kid had a better tournament. I think Momo, even though that I think Momo turned it on at the end yep. with her last like four matches to have a better tournament. Yep. Um, I'll say Suzuki I, and Hazuki. Hazuki had a better tournament. Suzuki had a better tournament. Um, and then there's the Red Stars block, too, of, you know, they're wrestling weaker talent. You got to remember that, too. So it's like you got to almost grade on a scale. Yeah. Right? Because the Blue Stars block was so strong. So, like, Utami and Tam and Shuriel probably had better, like, just natural tournaments, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Which that's almost that's almost 10. Micah probably did, too, Yeah, off the top of my head. I mean, Micah just had great matches. So it's like Okay, so that brings her down to like tenth best or so. Yeah, she's and definitely like, she's you definitely expect her to half. be in that top five yeah. heading in, right? I I do. Uh, moving on to the next match, Mayu Itani versus Starlight Kid. Mayu Itani got the win here over Starlight Kid. Uh, I was thinking during this match that you know this is the kind of match that uh, makes me curse the invention of the SWA title and its rules. Because <laughs> I want to see this match again for a title, yeah. and I'm not so, going to see it for a while. 
so so these so this might have been and i'm saying this now i don't i think i tweeted this last night because i rewatched it because i was thinking about it ever since i watched it the first time and so much happened after this like on the entire show so i was like did i like this as much as i think i did mm-hmm. and i watched it, i was like oh i did um this might be and people are gonna be shocked might be my favorite match to the tournament strictly because one the action was obviously great but the story that these two have out classes even the suzu julia story that i was more excited for at like that i was so excited for not more Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day the story is that starlight kid wants to get to the level of mayu time yes and we saw it last year she didn't have enough on the final night also well also in a weird way mayu also wants starlight kid to be at the level yes exactly And you saw it in this match, right? So, so Starlight Kid failed last year. It was very early in her run with the Wado tie. Yes. Advance the year forward. She's had multiple tie reigns. She's won the high speed tag team and artist. She's added new moves to her catalog, right? She has the the, the Black Tiger Tombstone type thing. Mm-hmm. She's got the Numero Dose, which I think she does so incredibly well. I think that's changed Starlight Kid's overall in-ring game completely, yeah. which is crazy because I usually don't like submissions all that much, but she does it really well with the dragon screws and all that. Mm-hmm. She added the uh, Eternal Foe, which is the Spanish fly off the top rope. Mm-hmm. She added all this new, all these new moves to her repertoire. Yeah, And she goes in there against Mayu Yutani, and the first thing they do after like their quick thing is smile at each other because to go on to your thing of Mayu wants you to get to that level too. Yeah. But she's not just gonna let you. No. And it's like that's the little game that they play so well. And the moment that Starlight Kid beats Mayu, it's going to be a massive deal. Right. Yeah. Mayu be- is Mayu is five and oh now against Starlight Kid. Yeah. It's gonna be a gigantic deal. Even if she got to a draw, which I thought they might have considered here. Mm-hmm. had they went into the final night with more stakes they didn't have that's the thing about this match why i love it so much there was no stakes yep. except for the stakes between these two the right s- the stakes between that that's part that one right there yes beautiful yeah, nailed it um and just the way that they interacted throughout the match and starlight kid getting like so frustrated at the end that she just starts wailing at Mayu and the Mayu pretty much kills her. (laughs) Right. She catches her with the tombstone, which was, you know, the tombstone was so good because she didn't catch her clean and then she just dropped her. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So it's like, Oh, Oh, why did you do that? She got sick of it. And then she plants her with the dragon suplex. And then after the match, you know, you got kid just like, I just, I just want to beat you. I just want to like, it's not even like, her winning the title will get her to the Mayu Yutani's level in her head. She needs to beat Mayu, and she just can't do it. And I think, selfishly, because Mayu obviously is my favorite wrestler, but I think kids just, like, she's become such a special talent. Yeah. And it's like, this is the most enjoyable story for me to watch because it's natural. Yeah. It's very natural. And it's... I, I love this match. I love the next match, and I love the final. If you ask me which was my favorite of the three, probably switching on the day, truthfully. But this one, like, this one, this is the match that's going to carry more, I think, into Stardom's history 
yeah then i guess the final obviously because it's sure. the final but sure. like this means a lot moving forward because i do think we are seeing the icon still push off the air to being that next icon face of stardom you know she's still pushing her off a little bit it's very like you know it's very equivalent to like the osprey okada story that's currently happening yeah just this idea of like trying like i'm gonna try and you know i wouldn't be surprised if the first time the first on each other yep i wouldn't (laughs) be surprised if the first time starlight kid gets a win over uh over mayu is going to be some sort of cheap victory you know some sort of that's her that's the best part her biggest goal is to not be cheap yeah oh yeah of course if she ever does it she's going to be upset yeah i'm sure right like that's great it's just but 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 yeah but that's the storytelling right there is what matters more to you you know the honor or right or the win, you know. And it's been the honor so far, and yeah. she's lost. She's lost her shot at. I mean, she didn't technically have a shot tonight, but last year she did. Had she beat Mayu, she would have won the block. Yeah, and she didn't use heel tactics. And that's true. Again, here you didn't see a thing of a way to tie. Nope. Right. That's that's the cool part about this. Like you watched the Momo match from earlier. You saw the away to tie stuff they didn't do it all in here it was like it's pretty much like and they'll show you these things and i wish they did but like starlight kids like i got this kind of like you saw i think um this past week like darby's like i'm not bringing sting or whatever like that kind of thing like i'm not bringing my help i want to beat you and it's like such a simple story it's the passing of the torch that just hasn't happened yet Mm um it'll be fun to watch it's just yeah it's just the great story of stardom that i forever love i also say you know i've been sitting before you know you know it's probably gonna be Kyrie, but starlight kid would be a fantastic first mm-hmm. ever iwgp women's champion uh assuming that, i think assuming Kyrie... that mayu is i'm assuming mayu is not also in the tournament because <laughs> she'll, she'll lose she's a because she's a fish mayu's officially in the tournament okay great uh because she out she had more points than Hazuki with the win Oh, they did, is that how they did it? Yeah, so they ultimately decided by points, except Julia won't be in it, I'm sure, because she won the five star, so it'll be a maker, Micah, which again, they might do a match little, for little, little cloudy there because <laughs> they went to a draw. Well, uh, it's 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 to a, it's an angle to set up a match. Yeah, you know what they'll determines... do? They'll just, they'll just put Tekla. They'll be like, you didn't get a shot. Here you go. That's what I'm talking about, baby. Tekla. <laughs> she fought. I miss Tekla. Me too. She should be back. I mean, I, she I was in the muscle contest. I know. Where is she? Uh, but like you said, we talked about it a little bit. Julia versus Suzu Suzuki. A uh, very emotional match from the jump uh, between these two. I was just, not ready for the tears. Yeah, just <laughs> tears from the from the get-go, from, especially from Suzu. I just was like, whoa, all right, yeah. Suzu. Um, yeah. This was a great match. Awesome match. Uh, you know, great story as well. Someone tweeted it out talking about that story about uh, how – Suzu, you know, all she wanted to do was face Julia. Julia wanted to show, open her up to the rest of Stardom after this match. Suzu's like, "All right, I want to face the rest of Stardom. I'm ready." Suzu's not going anywhere. Yeah, I, I say that after pretty much facing the entire roster in the five star. But you know, but you know she saves so much in those matches. That's the scary yeah. thing. I don't, I don't know if people like a lot of people that saw Suzu. I know you just saw, you've seen Suzu for the first time through this tournament or through Stardom. Yeah. She has like another like three gears, yeah, which is terrifying. 
um she is she's one of the best not in just joshi she's one of the best in the world already she turned 20 like two weeks ago yeah azumi turned 20 yesterday like it's, it's just ridiculous and i think susan suzuki is like two levels above azumi which is just if you've seen azumi wrestle you're like what <laughs> I, I said it before about suzu and i think suzu is watching suzu suzuki work right now is feels like and this is my ceiling for her feels like getting in on the ground floor of the next Mako Satamora. Hmm. It, it that's what it feels like. And I don't know obviously because I wasn't on the in on the ground floor of Mako Satamora, but I feel like that is her ceiling is being the Okito match probably helped you. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Uh it kind of did actually. But the the idea that I think Suzu has the ability maybe to be an all-time Joshi yeah. legend. That's her. That is her ceiling for me, and that yeah, is high. Her that's high. Is all timer. Yeah, and that's 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 as high as you can go. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I yeah, think it's possible. I, I mean, great match finishes her great tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, she's probably my MVP. Truthfully, I mean, if I wasn't to pick a non-winner, I think Julie obviously had a phenomenal tournament. She has an extra match to help her. Yep. It's, Everything Suzu did delivered in one aspect or another. Yep. I think that's my best way to look at it, right? Like we were talking about Sayakantani, you kind of expected a little more. Stu Suzuki, like the scary part is you could have expected more. Yeah. But you didn't have to because she delivered. Um, her match with Mariah in the open of this tournament. I'm using this show just to talk about everyone's tournament because it's the best way to do so. Um, of course. But like her match with Mirai was fantastic. Uh, her match with Sai Kamatani, her match here with Julia, her match with, uh, with, with Starlight Kid, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just fantastic tournament. Her 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 floor is higher than like most of this roster, and yeah. that's that's ridiculous. Stardom has the best women's roster we've seen since the days of AJW. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> she has a higher floor than like half the field at least. Let's at move, least. Let's move right along to the block B now. Onagi Sayaka yeah. uh defeated Momo in a battle of losers. Uh in this Listen, uh, you were concerned. You you were concerned about Onagi Sayaka. You I were am, I am as, I still as, am as, as a human being as a as a fan, as a just as a person, you are concerned that Unagi Sayaka has lost her way. And I she, was she, not only she's con- lost her she's lost her placement. I, I not only was I concerned about her losing her way, I thought she was like well, I was thinking as I was watching this match, I was like, if she loses this match, I'm just gonna come on to this show and be like, She's out of the company, man. She's she is her contract, whatever's up. Like she's she is getting done. She is done. <laughs> <laughs> like I was I was like ready to come on here and just be like, yeah, she is stepping out of this company or something. She's able to get the win, so that's good. It's crazy. But it is just like, you know, you know, it's a win against Momo and tied at last place against Momo, so who cares? She she had she like her one 
80 from last year to this year in terms of tournament placement is insanity. Yeah. Um, her only wins are against Saki Kashima and Momo Kogo. Yeah. Well, you know, you see you see Mina Shirakawa getting big wins. I mean, Mina Shirakawa also lost to Hanan, so it's like, well, yeah. how, how high did she really go? Um, uh, six points higher. <laughs> got three yeah, more wins than her. Like, Unagi is an interesting case that if they're if they're building a story off of this, then good. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, but otherwise, it's just sad to see because I think she is so much better than Mina Shirakawa. I think she's a she's very likable. She's a fan favorite. She was in that poll that I always bring up. I always bring up the uh, poll where Starlight Kid's eleventh, and she's only behind uh, New Japan's most popular. Main event stars and like Keiji Muto mm-hmm. <laughs> and Minoru Suzuki. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's like, we'll see. I mean, the, the the Meltzer report from that they switched to Hoy and during the Cinderella continues to carry a lot of weight. Yeah, I agree. Something I feel like or something not. happened. Um, Saki Kashima defeats Azume in 45 <laughs> seconds and 44 <laughs> seconds. How much time do we you can't talk do about it this? better? Yeah. You can't do it better. Oh, by the way, I never said this. Starlight Kid's entrance was unreal. Mm-hmm. I didn't say that earlier. Um, but uh, Azumi had new gear. This was her birthday, and she lost in 45. How do you feel about the new gear? I, um, it was weird. I'm not, I was like, I'm not into it. I'm not into it. Gold. I like the long boys part. Like, I like the, the, so I like the actual gear. I don't like the green. Mm. Interesting. The green's weird. I get you. The green with purple and gold? What? Yeah, it's not. I don't like it. I'm not Lime into it. green? It I'm not into sense. it. Uh, block V match. Kagama defeats. He's 0 1, so it didn't work. Yeah. Uh, Kagama defeats Utami Hayashishida in six minutes and one second. She actually had a good match this tournament. Congratulations. She felt like trying a little bit. Uh, the finish was great. The finish of this match was great. Mm-hmm. The uh, BT bomb into the, uh, the Yoshi Tonic for the win. Um, I mean, Kogama had a very, 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 very weak turn. So. Yeah. No comment. According to my ratings, it was the same strength as Momo Kogo's turn. So. <laughs> there you go. No comment. <laughs> no comment from me. Uh, Ryan hates Kogama. Yeah, get he wants screen. her to be released. Uh, I didn't say that. That's what you said. He said he said he thinks Britt Baker's better. Anyways, oh God, moving on. <laughs> Tam Nakano <laughs> defeats Saki. Yeah, a good match. It was fine. Yeah, it was. It was literally Saki's entire tournament. Saki's entire tournament, and also I think Tam very steady. Yeah, I think Tam Tam was saving herself a little bit. Yeah, Tam knowing that she will be in the final later. Step no back. one told Julia to do that, but it's okay. Eh, well, she had uh like an hour to prepare, prepare I guess. Well, Tam had like yeah, yeah. Tell that minutes. to the two shoot headbutts that she had. Okay, that's true. Um, Himeka versus Micah. We kind of already talked about it that it feels you know they can just probably do it as you know a one on one match later for the IWGP Women's Tournament, but they're beasted. Yeah, they're beasted. Can I talk about one thing about stardom that I don't enjoy? Go for it. The water breaks mid match. I don't like them. I don't <laughs> like them. They're like the only company that does them. Only, you know, 
yeah. I get it. I get why, of course. Um, but I don't. It always pulls me out. You know, it always pulls me out because um, I never notice them. I, 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 it, it pulls me out. I always notice them, and it, it's one of those things where it's just, I, I see people stop selling to drink water, and I'm just like, but, and I say this because I have a com- a weird specific compliment to Micah. She continues selling when she's offered water and stuff. There's the shot of like Kameka's given water, and she immediately stops making a pain face to then like, oh yeah, who drink some water. And Micah gets the water, shakes her head no, and then just just like can't get the uh, up enough to drink the water, and just hands it off and says "fuck it," yeah. you know. Like I'm like, oh yeah, great stuff. I, I love yeah. continued selling. Like, oh, I'm not gonna the, drink the water because I I'm in hurt, you know. Some people use the water a lot more than others. Yeah, like I don't. Did my you and Starlight Kid use water? I don't remember. I don't even know if they left the ring, so they probably didn't. Yeah, it only happens um, when they leave the ring, really. Like, Sayakamitani uses the water a lot. Yeah. Um, Utami uses the water a lot. Yeah, I'm not a it's fan of it. certain people that use the water a lot, but I never really think of it anymore because either I don't notice it anymore or I've focused on the match. But, yeah, I mean, it's a weird thing. Yeah, it's a weird, it's, it's a weird issue I have. The uh, weird thing that they do, yeah, that no one else does. Uh, and then uh, the final match we're going to talk about here is Risa Sarah defeated Shuri in twelve minutes eleven seconds. Yeah, it was good. Finished was weird, but it was good. Yeah, I, I was, I was just sort of like, all right, let's get into the final match at this point. You know, I was just like, okay, this it was is a long show. It was, it was a long, long show. show. I missed the first three matches, so it was like shortened show oh ricky steamboat's match was just announced Ooh, hit breaking to hear this breaking news from scotty Edwards. big time wrestling show oh we got we got uh we actually have two matches on this show so far so the first match was announced rock and roll express versus the briscoes all right but the ricky the dragon steamboat match is brock anderson a mystery partner and specifically Jay lethal as black machismo <laughs> versus Ricky, the dragon steamboat and FTR. Remember specifically Jay lethal as black machismo. That's a wild ass match. <laughs> I have no, I mean. You have no words. I got no words. I got no words. Let's move on. How, I don't, I don't, how even, I, I don't even know. How am I supposed to feel about that match? I don't know. I don't know. Let's move on. Let's move on to our last topic. We're running out of time <laughs> He's here. Like, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I'll, I'll think, know. I have to reflect on it. Let's move on to our last topic here. Impact Bound for Glory. Uh, Bound for Glory. Huge show for Impact as always. So. Uh, let's see if it, in fact, is a huge show for Impact. Uh, we got a card here. Let's get through it. Of course, your main event is going to be Josh Alexander versus Eddie Edwards for the Impact World Championship. Eddie Edwards, the leader of Honor No More, constantly being a thorn in Impact's side the entire time. He's been doing pretty good work. He's definitely been a lot better uh, than pre uh, then babyface Eddie Edwards. So I've enjoyed his work here, but now will he be the one that takes the title 
off of Josh Alexander. No. Yeah, it's fresh does nothing for me. I don't know. Yeah, it, it doesn't. It's it doesn't have the a... juice. It doesn't have enough juice. I could see Eddie winning. Are you saying it should be juice? It should be juice. That's right. That should be juice. That'd be a great match. Josh and juice. That would be um, the Josh and juice connection. But I, but I could see Eddie maybe getting a win here. I could, yeah, I could see it gross. just for the story. Ideal uh, time. Knockouts World Championship. Jordan Grace versus Masha Slamovich. Um, yeah. I don't think Masha's Masha. winning here, but. Uh, she, should. she should, but I think Jordan's going to be holding out here. What do you think? I'm picking Masha Slavovich because why would you build her up like you have if you're going to have her lose to Jordan Grace? Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I, I, I don't know. I think I think you're probably right, but I think she should win. I agree. Uh, Impact World Tag Team Championship. It is OGK, Matt Taven, and Mike Bennett taking on the Motor City Machine Guns. Oh, that's not bad. That's not bad. You know, you know what I'll never forget, Ryan? What's that? The match that the OGK had with the Briscoes. Yep. I'll never forget that match because that match had no right to be as good as it was. And I think the Motor City Machine Guns can do the same. The OGK. Yeah, I think this match out of be, nowhere. I think this match should be very good. I think oh, it should man. be. Very good. I need to. I need to watch that OGK uh, Briscoes Briscoes match again. That was so good. <laughs> was yeah. that the last Ring of Honor pay per view? Yep. Well, before the you know for the sale, um, X Division <laughs> Championship match. Mike Speedball. Mike Bailey uh, goes for the record against Frankie Kazarian. Will he will be able to beat Frankie Kazarian? For I, I, I believe that he already get to the record. <laughs> uh, I think. Well, I think it's. I think he's tying the record. I have to. I haven't seen Impact Television. See, so he has another match, but I believe he's tying the record. But Frankie yeah, Kazarian. Frankie Kazarian, otherwise known as Mister Bound for Glory. What? <laughs> I think he's called Mister Bound for Glory because he's been at like every single Bound for Glory, or something like that. I don't know. With- or he's won the most at Bound for Glory. Ryan, you were supposed to watch Impact Wrestling and come back to me with all this, and you're like, I don't know. No, no, no. Whatever, man. Mia Yim this- versus Mickey James. Uh, Mickey Ryan G- feels sounds dejected. <laughs> no, I started having a migraine during the show, and I have uh, now uh, and the Excedrin's kicking in, so it's uh, starting to. Okay. Uh, no, see, this is reasonable. This is reasonable. The, it's starting to kick in quite strong. Uh, Mia Yim versus Mickey James. Of course, if Mickey James loses, she's done. She's retiring. Uh, Mia Yim. There's reports that uh, her contract is ending up around this weekend uh, with Impact. So you know, if she's if she loses, maybe this is her last match in the company. I feel like the company's high on her. It was a short term contract. That's apparently yeah. what it was. But so six months or so. Yeah. So. I can see her staying. I could also see her going. I don't know. But either way, maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, and then, of course, we'll also have the call your shot shot gauntlet. That's I hope Mickey back. loses, by the way, because she has to retire. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Uh, call your shot gauntlet match. Uh, we have some. Ugh. This is, of course, a gauntlet where the I winner can challenge for this. any title. Um Last... Moose just not have a match for the second year in a row. Well, I'll get to. I'll get game? to it. I'll get to it. Last year, Moose I... shocked the world when he called a shot for the Impact World Title match on the same night. This year, the so far the people that we know that are in this match are 
PCO, Rich Swan, Giselle Shaw, Heath, Boopinder Gujar, Moose, Steve Macklin, Sammy Callahan, and Bobby Fish. Ah! Uh, Steve Macklin's win. He should. He should. I, I agree. He should win that. I could, but I could also, I see Bobby Fish winning that, and I'm like, oh, geez. I mean, if you're Impact, you have Bobby Fish win it. What happened to Impact? What do you mean? What happened? They felt like they were gaining momentum at one point. They had some steam, and now you read off this lineup to me. I'm just left thinking, what happened? Where's Chris Bay? Where's Ace Austin? Where's Trey Miguel? Where is the Where is the X Division? That that carried them this year. Where is that? I don't know. It's with Frankie Kazarian. You kidding me? Uh, there's going to be another Knockouts World Tag Team Title Match between VX Tay, Deanna Perazzo, and Chelsea Green, taking on Taya Valkyrie and Jess Sitka, uh, former Havoc. See if that team. Excuse can... me, Jess Sitka. Yep, that's her name. Jess Sitka. That's her name. I'm sick of this card. Countdown to Bound for Glory. That's the open challenge for Brian Myers. That's the last match on the card. I have a migraine. Let's end the show. (laughs) I need to get out of here. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for listening to this week's episode of Ring Post Radio. We appreciate it. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at Ryan IT. Follow Scotty at Scott E. Wrestling. Scotty, what was your match of the week? I'll just say Jericho and Ben Dio. Great match. Fantastic match. I'm going to say Will Ospreay versus David Finley for the IWGP US uh, title. That match was really, really great. David Finley, I talked about him last year having a great match. He had another match this year that was great for the IWGP title. Uh, David Finley, I feel like they're slowly making him into some sort of guy, uh, very slowly but surely, like New Japan does. We'll see, but Osprey takes another great match for my star rating. So congratulations to Osprey, I guess. Um, that is it for this week's episode. I have a migraine and I can really feel the drugs flowing through my system, Scotty. That's right. I did drugs live on the show. Um, <laughs> that is it. You can follow the show at Countout Pod. Subscribe to it wherever you get podcasts. And until next week, we'll talk to you later. Goodbye. This has been a Countout Podcast.